right, here we go with part two of seeing the the secret to seeing the supernatural. Oh my goodness, I have tried so many times to do this podcast. We're back on the road, we're in Virginia Beach, and uh, yesterday I tried to do it about five or six times, but it was a long cutting day, and first it was the weed whacker all around the camper, made so much noise we couldn't, I couldn't do it, so then I tried again, it was the mower came around, and you could hear the mower from 10 RVs down, so I, I gave up. Now I tried to get back on it again later in the afternoon. They were coming through with a leaf blower to clean up the mess they made, so I just gave up. So here is part two of seeing the supernatural and uh, the secret to seeing the supernatural. If you listen to the last podcast, you'll know um, the secret really isn't that much of a secret. It is to live our lives as ambassadors of the love of Christ wherever we go. That's our primary duty, by the way, or our primary call is to whatever it is that we're doing, somehow we're extending the love of Christ. And that's easier said than done because most of us live such hurried lives. We are robbed of the moments uh, when God wants to use us. And there are certain robbers, I'm going to talk about four robbers that can, can trap us up and keep us from living in the moment and sharing the love of Christ. You know, Jesus said that we are to take up our cross daily. So extending the love of Jesus to other people, learning to do that, learning to love like Jesus is a lifelong process. It's not something we check off a to-do list that we accomplish. It's something we're attaining to all of our lives. So Jesus said in Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So every day we're to take up the cross. The cross is a symbol of sacrifice, isn't it? Uh, one of the biggest sacrifices that we make in order to extend the love of Christ is the sacrifice of time. It's something that once it's gone, nothing else matters, does it? We're in eternity. It's over. Time is no more. So it's one of the most valuable things that we can offer, but we squander so much of our time. We live such rushed, distracted, hurried lives that can we, we can miss those simple moments when God wants to use us and we get to see something supernatural. The cross is a place of voluntary surrender as well. It's not something that we have to do. It's something that we want to do if we'll take time and reflect on how good God has been to us, um, how he's protected us and provided for us and those that we love through the years. And we meditate on that. That's what the, the importance of worship Um you know, Romans 1 talks about the danger of not giving God thanks. I think I did a podcast on that. Um, when we reflect on how good God has been to us, then we can voluntarily surrender um, our time to help other people. The cross is also a symbol of self-denial, right? Jesus said, if anyone's going to follow him, let him deny himself. And so that means that there are going to be times when we're going to have to not do all that we want to do in order to give away some of our time to help other people. I believe you see the supernatural in those moments, you know, when we kind of let go of our priorities and start paying attention to other people. It takes faith to do that. And and But many times we're just so rushed, so hurried, so distracted, uh, so wrapped up in our own stuff um, that we, we miss the God moments. Uh, I, it's hap it happens to me all the time, probably every day. 
But when I slow down, yeah, I'm, I'm harping on this. That's kind of the moral of the, the lesson today is slow down. I'm reading a book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he talks a lot about that, that Jesus was never hurried, yet he made the biggest impact ever made by anybody since time began. And so, hey, let me give you an update. I'm going to get into these four robbers. I'm going to give you an update on Life on the Verge. We are on the road in Virginia Beach, praise God, after the end of that last tour. Um, Susan ended up in the hospital and all that. Well, she got, you know, a, a good bill of health check mark, and we're back on the road. And we're, we've got 10 events scheduled in the Florida Panhandle. We're in Virginia Beach meeting with uh, potential new donors and some folks that want to do some work for Life on the Verge, help us uh, with some of our tasks. Then we'll be headed back to the Panhandle. Here's the exciting news. There are five young men, 20s, 30s, and one guy in his early 40s, that want to join us and help us. It's an answer to prayer. Um, we've been praying. We need the physical help in loading in and setting up and all that. You know, Susan and I have been doing a lot of this with just the two of us since the lockdowns lifted down in Florida. Uh, we need that, but we also want to be raising up the next generation to see how fertile this field is. And all of these men are gifted, they're called, and uh, we're just believing God they're going to be with us. They've got to make it through the approval process. We're doing that right now. We're trying to cover some of their expenses, so we're raising a budget of $2,500 to help do that. Um, if you can help us. That would be wonderful. They're going to be doing their own fundraising. We were planning on, on hopefully bringing some people with us in 2023, but these guys really pressed the issue that you know, they wanted to go on this trip. And so we're trying to do that. And so we're going to help them this time out with the lodging and the meals and some of their travel expenses. So if you can help us, you'd be investing in the next generation of prison musicianaries. You can go to lifeontheverge.com and there's a donate link there and we would appreciate your help again. Um, so, four robbers, things that will kind of get us distracted and cause us to miss the God moments. Uh, robber number one, ready? Self-pity. Now, that means getting trapped up sometimes in our past hurts, wounds, failures, feeling sorry for ourselves thinking so much about ourselves and all we've been through um, that we we miss opportunities to extend the love of God to other people. But that's where the supernatural happens. When we are about our primary calling, being ambassadors of God's love to those around us. When we get too wrapped up in past hurts or failures or wounds or even in our, our current endeavors, which kind of leads into my next point, we can miss the God moments right under our nose. Um, a great illustration is, is Mary and Martha. Now, this isn't about necessarily uh, past wounds and failures, but it's a, about feeling sorry for yourself. I think it was Martha that was doing all the work when Jesus came for a visit, but Mary just sat at the feet of Jesus. And uh, Martha was like, oh, I'm doing all the heavy lifting here. What's Mary doing? I'm doing all this work. We can feel like that, can't we? Jesus kind of rebuked her and said, Mary's paid attention to the most important thing. Um 
when you feel overburdened or maybe like you're doing all the hard work while someone else is just taking it easy, you know, that could even be your spouse or could be your coworker. Let me just say this. Don't get bitter. Get better. Don't ask God to make it easier. Ask God to make you stronger. Don't get trapped up in feeling so sorry for yourself that you miss the moments where God wanted you to, by faith, extend his love or maybe teach you a valuable lesson in the process. Uh, Maybe it's a matter of perspective. You know, I'm always asking God, help me get the right perspective. You know, I've shared the story probably a couple of times about when I was a Norfolk cop and I wanted out of that job. Man, I was beat up and I was feeling sorry for myself. I've got this commute. I'm doing all I can do. Uh, I, you know, and I'd get on the, you know, train of, I, I didn't really have a dad, dad. I don't have a dad to turn to for him. By that time, I think my dad had passed away and uh, he, he wasn't, you know, the ideal father anyway. And I start feeling sorry for myself. Well, then God gave me new perspective to realize that my job wasn't to go be a Norfolk cop. My job was to be an ambassador of his love, and I just happened to be cleverly disguised as a police detective. Of course, I had to do my job, but when I got that perspective, I had a new strength. And and, and I, I just had an, a, a new sense of the anointing to do things bigger than I could do in my flesh. And the pressure was lifted, and it was soon after that, God opened the door for my circumstances to change. So don't get robbed of the current God moments because you're so wrapped up in feeling sorry for yourself. Self-pity. Uh, now, I know there's some deep wounds and, and things that happen to people, just unimaginable things. Well, we got to keep laying those at the feet of Jesus and say, well, I can't change it, but I can respond to it uh, in a godly way. Robert number two that will keep us from missing, or, or yeah, it will cause us to miss the God moments, selfish ambition. That's kind of the opposite. We get too focused on the future in this life. We're so busy even doing God's work. I mean, Jesus showed us in the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Here were two guys that were that were priests, or a priest and a Levite, and they're on their way to the temple to do God's work, and they missed the poor guy laying in the ditch has been beat up and run. They missed the moment. They missed the God moment. But the, who we call the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan saw it, and he sees that moment. You know, there's a, a book called The Screwtape Letters. I'm sure I've quoted this before, but I was reminded because uh, John Mark Comer mentions this in his book, The Ruthless Elim- Elimination of Hurry. He uses this same passage out of the book. Um, if you're not familiar with The Screwtape Letters, it's a book that C.S. Lewis wrote. It was... Uh, kind of like a, a demon, the uncle demon, the senior demon, I believe, Screwtape, who is writing and giving advice to the junior demon, Wormwood, on how to trap up the man he had been assigned to. And he says this. Now, this is senior demon talking to junior de- demon saying, this is how you want to trap this man up. The humans live in time, but our enemy destines them to eternity. He, therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things, to eternity itself and to that point of time which they call the present. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. He would, therefore, have them continually concerned either with eternity or with the present, either meditating on their eternal union with or separation from himself, or else obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present pleasure. Our business is to get them away from the eternal and from the present. Isn't that insightful? Um, The devil is always trying to get us, get our minds off of eternity and get our mind off the present. So we can get trapped up in the past or we can actually get trapped up 
in the future, in this life. We can get so busy trying to do the thing. I'm all about vision. I'm all about you know pursuing goals and all that. But there's a fine line between godly ambition and selfish ambition. And often it means we need to slow our pace. You know, I, I've probably shared this story before, but, but it fits here too. Uh, one time I was trying to get things ready for a big youth service. You know, we put on these big youth services when I was youth pastor in the early 2000s. I put a lot of effort. We wanted those kids to go back to school the next day talking about the wild time they had at church the night before. So I was buying supplies at a Walmart and I got in line. And to this day, it was the express lane. There was only one person in front of me, but this is the slowest cashier I've ever experienced in my life. Obviously new, she was probably in her 40s or 50s. And I mean, just moved in slow motion and I was in a hurry. I, I, man, I was getting so mad. My top was about to blow. And then she took a bunch of bananas and broke them apart and weighed them one at a time. That really happened. I thought, is this lady just, just trying to aggravate? I've never seen anything like that in my life. So I was ready to kind of, hmm, who's your supervisor? I just wanted to pounce on her, say something nasty to her. And then when it was my turn, I looked at her name tag and her name tag was Grace. And in that moment, God just kind of gut punched me and said, slow down. And, uh, and I, I, I didn't really have, it was a God moment. God taught me something. I don't think I ministered to her. I was kind to her instead of being nasty. But we can get trapped up in the past. We can get trapped up in the future. Not eternity future, but the future things we're trying to do in this life and miss God moments. A third robber is self-absorption. Absorption. Say that right? In other words, being so absorbed with gratifying our fleshly desires that we miss the God moments. There's nothing wrong with, you know, entertainment and food and leisure and vacations and all that, but we can get so wrapped up. And here's where it gets dangerous and where we waste so much time. I mean, I, could you put a number on the hours that are wasted, uh, for example, on so, social media or Netflix? And, and, and in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with those things until we begin to waste precious time. And often, that's because we're trying to scratch and itch for a lot of people. Maybe not uh, my listeners, um, but maybe it is. You know, w w one of our greatest needs in life is to be recognized, to be celebrated, to be appreciated. And man, has social media jumped on that. They know that. And so, you know, we're in search of that burst of dopamine, something that I, I matter. You know, I count, I, you know, and we think we're making a difference because we get a couple of likes on a post. We can all fall prey to this. We, you know, uh, some more than others, craving attention. And we get so wrapped up in that, we waste time absorbed in, in our own stuff, right? Uh, Jesus kind of covered all this when he talked about this, the, the seed that was scattered among the thorns. Was, you know, the sower went out to sow seed and some of it fell among the thorns. He says in Mark 4, 18 and 20, the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So we can all get trapped up in self-pity, selfish ambition, self-absorption, and it can cause us to miss God moments. Those moments when we could have taken time to demonstrate love and experience the favor of God, the joy and peace he wants us to live with regardless of our circumstances. Uh, the, the last robber I'll talk about is self-righteousness. 
You know, Jesus came, his priority, I mean, this, I don't have the, the actual scripture, but it, these words actually appear, that he came to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins, right? That was his priority. Uh, I think it was Peter wrote in one of his books, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So this is the goal, that people would turn toward God, that's what repentance means, and receive the forgiveness of sins. That's the bottom line. Well, in Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 36 through 50, there's the account, all four gospels cover this account, by the way, in one form or the other. Um, but basically, a, a sinful woman, uh, I think it's Mary Magdalene, who breaks brings this alabaster jar, very expensive oil, and she breaks it open. She's at Simon Simon's house, not Simon Peter. This is a, a Pharisee, I believe. And she's washing his feet with her tears and her hair and the oil. And Simon rebukes her, and he, he looks at Jesus, who's a rabbi, and says, do you realize a sinful woman is touching you? Like, that was not supposed to happen. Jesus looked at the woman and said, your sins are forgiven. She didn't say a sinner's prayer. Uh, she didn't walk down to the altar. She, you know, she, but he saw her heart had had repented and turned toward God, and that she was seeking forgiveness and favor from the Lord. But Simon was so caught up in self righteousness that he missed that moment. In the other accounts, the it's the disciples that rebuke the the woman and say, "Look, look at the, how expensive that oil is. I think it was like a year's wages." Like this money could have been given to help the poor. And Jesus also rebuked them. They missed the extravagant act of repentance that this lady, this sinful woman, again, I think it was Mary Magdalene, was was uh, demonstrating. They missed the God moment because they were kind of wrapped up in self-righteousness. We can all fall for that. You know, I remember... Uh, one time when I was a police officer in Virginia Beach, there was this homeless guy. And, uh, man, nobody wanted to arrest him. His name was Roger, I think. Nobody wanted to touch Roger because Roger was like 15 layers of clothing and, uh, you know, had a beard down to his waist and scruffy, nasty. And he pushed a golf cart, uh, not a golf cart, a uh, grocery cart full of junk. Now, it was rumored that he had hepatitis, he had AIDS, so nobody wanted to mess with him. He slept in the doorways of businesses. We could have harassed him, we could have arrested him, but nobody wanted to even mess with him because you would have to touch him, you'd have to voucher all of his stuff, you'd have to search him, search him. so we kind of avoided him if at all possible. Then one day, as the sun was coming up, I got a call about someone that was being assaulted at a phone booth. Remember phone booths? Um, it was actually a phone on a wall in front of a business. And I responded, and I got there, and there was Roger the homeless bum. He was sitting under the phone booth. Uh, he still had the phone in his hand, and uh, his cart was tipped over in the parking lot. And I walked up, and apparently he had been uh, assaulted by another homeless person, which happens all the time. And, man, up close, this guy was just a mess. I mean, his skin was tough like leather. He was probably, he could have been in his 50s, but he looked like he was in his 80s. His eyes were bloodshot and bugging out of his head, and his nasty stuff out of his cart was all over the parking lot. Well, I had my gloves on. I'm not going to arrest him, obviously, but I'm going to help clean his stuff up. So I start talking to him about, you know, why are you out here, Roger? And uh, he explained to me that, well, you know, I try living with people, but that's always a hassle for them, and I just like my freedom, and 
and I get a social security check and it gets sent here and you know I just make make ends meet and I'm like wow this guy's a human well as I'm picking up his stuff um, in the midst of rotten onions and pieces of tattered clothing and all the junk is a Bible and I look at Roger in this self-righteous way and I say Roger do you ever read this and he looked at me with tears coming out of his eyes and he said Oh, yes, I don't know where I'd be without Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I felt like I encountered God right there. My self-righteousness, you know, just was shrunk low, you know, small. Like, you know, here, didn't Jesus say that he was in prison, that he was hungry, you know, uh, that he was naked, that he was sick? I, I felt like I encountered Jesus right there. And my self-righteousness almost missed that moment. And here I am. This that was 20 years ago or more. Still thinking about Roger, who's probably gone to heaven. And I assume he knew the Lord. But I, I felt like that was a Holy Spirit moment. So these things can get in the way. You know, let me give you a, a practical way in our political climate today. And I don't like to get political, but that, that we, we could miss a God moment. Here's just an illustration of how self-righteousness could cause us to miss a God moment. Um, you know, we're all aware of the mess that's happening at our southern border, and I think it's been happening my entire life. Uh, it's nothing new, but we, we, we can get really biased, especially folks that are on the right. They get really, you know, upset and biased. And I got, you know, I'm all about people coming into our country legally. I get that, okay? Um, but it can turn into racism against Hispanic people, can't it? We can look at them differently or treat them differently. Hopefully that's not you, but it can happen. Uh, it does happen. I'm sure it does. Uh, you know, far right wing Christians that get too political and stuff. It's okay to criticize the system. We live in a democracy, a republic, where we can, you know, vote and, and have a say about the system the best that we can. All right. And that's okay. We can be angry with the system. But these are people. And if you think to yourself, it, you know, I think if I was a father of a family... And, uh, and, and yes, I know there's gangbangers and all those people that cross the border, but th- there are fathers that say, you know what, we're living in absolute poverty under the threat of violence all the time. I could take this risk and drag my family across that border into the promised land and give them a whole life, a better life than I had. Wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you take that risk? There'd be a chance. If we back up and stop thinking about it in a self-righteous way, well, if we get to consume with the news and politics and all that, what if God wanted to use us and wanted us to extend the love to someone that we have this bias against? I mean, that's just a practical way that, that we could we could miss the boat on that, okay? Again, not trying to get too political. There's many illustrations of how our self-righteousness can rob us from God moments of extending the, you know, we go in prisons and what we do. I was a cop for... 10 years and, and I can I can get biased. I can get jaded against murderers and rapists. You scumbags, you deserve to be in prison. You know, I can. I can look at the evil things happening in the news and, and go, they don't deserve mercy. Can't. It's easy to do that until I back up and I slow down. I get off my self-righteous horse and I realize that I'm a sinner. Maybe my sin's different than theirs. My circumstances is different than theirs. I need God's mercy. They need God's mercy. Lord, Lord, help me overcome this attitude of self-righteousness and show them how much you value them. You know, not approve, but accept. Okay? 
Jesus doesn't approve of our sin, but he accepts us. And that's what we're trying to do in prisons. So here's the, here's the application, okay? These things can rob us of God moments to love like Jesus and therefore see supernatural things happen. I mean, when I look at how God has, the miracles that God has done in our ministry and providing and doors he's opened up and people he's introduced us to and lessons he's taught us, it's so frequently happened when we were getting outside of our self-pity, getting outside of our selfish ambition, getting outside of our self-absorption, getting outside of our self-righteousness and trying to extend the love of Christ it's in those moments that we've seen God move in our lives. And that's what I mean by seeing things that are above the natural, uh, accomplishing things you never could have done on your own. Um, so here's really in a nutshell uh, what I'm saying. We've got to slow down to love like Jesus, not get wrapped up in the past, not get wrapped up too wrapped up in the future or too self-absorbed. Um, we've got to slow down down. You know, nations rise, nations fall. Jesus remains. No one has impacted the world more. No one has demonstrated God's love more. No one has accomplished as much. And here's the thing. Jesus was never in a hurry. Uh, it comes back to the very first thing Paul mentioned when he defined the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. We've got to slow down and reflect. And, you know, it's it's a whole lot easier to be a cheerful giver when you realize how much God has given you, isn't it? We need to groom our minds. Or as uh, Peter said, uh, we need to prepare our minds for action every day. Pick up our cross every day and say, Lord, today my priority, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a carpenter, you're a musician, you're a lawyer, you're a homemaker in the community. Our primary role in God's plan is to extend his love to the world. Yes, we do all those things while we're in this life, but somehow, some way to extend his love to the world around us. Um, and so practical things, and I, I took some of these from uh, John Mark Homer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I don't agree with everything he says. He's from Portland, so he's... <laughs> A little bit of a of a bent, but but uh, these are simple things, and they're going to sound a little r ridiculous. But it's about grooming our minds to slow down. We live in this distracted, hurried, rush, rush world. Um, always, all of our time consumed. We we need more time. I need more time, right? Well, one thing that consumes a lot of time is the internet. Here's a practical thing: uh, if you're someone that finds yourself just trapped up. Uh, scrolling or surfing is to schedule that internet time to say, I'm not going to let that, it's going to be my servant, not my master. Maybe that's not you, but if it is, you know, uh, for instance, in the, in the past, I've done this frequently, uh, several days, I haven't touched my phone till afternoon. You know, I, I haven't even looked at it. If you text me, if you called me, uh, I don't pick up my phone because I got other things that are more important to do and time is precious. So be on your guard. I've recommended the book Deep Work by Cal Newport. He's not a believer, but he's got some some good insight into these things. Now, it sounds like a simple thing, but we're trying to groom our minds to slow down, okay? He says in the book, uh, come to a full stop at stop signs. You know, you know that sounds uh, kind of ridiculous, 
but most of us are we're the California rollers, aren't we? We're always in a hurry, and it will cause us to miss the God moments. We're always consumed with what we have to do and where we have to go. Slow down. Yeah, I met with a guy this past Sunday um, who I don't I don't think he's a believer at all. Matter of fact, he's friends of my daughter and her husband, him and his wife, and they came out to our RV for a cookout. And they're really good friends, and and uh, I didn't know where the guy stands, you know, spiritually. But somehow, I, he said something about church, and he goes, yeah, my grandma took me, to, made me go to vacation Bible school, them church people, man, they're so, you know, wrapped up, and, you know, he said something negative, which made me think that this guy's probably not a follower of Jesus, and how am I, maybe God's brought him across my path. Slow down, buddy. And it made me think about even how I drive. I thought, well, what if Chris is out there on the road and I'm riding around with a Christian bumper sticker on my car driving like an idiot, you know, because I'm in such a hurry. Simple thing. Um, and, And I hope that makes sense. I'm trying to groom my mind to slow down. I'm always so busy. And that's just a practical thing to say, hey, you know what? Jesus was never in a hurry. Let's back off the accelerator a little bit. Let's take, it even says in the book, drive the speed limit. Yeah, you're going to aggravate some people, but I'm a guy that, you know, I push the limits all the time. I'm yelling at traffic, you know. It's ridiculous. Maybe that's not you, but it's me. I'm confessing. Uh, limit your intake uh, of the news around us. It's, it's nothing but bad news that's geared to keep your eyeballs attached to it. You know, sensation. Now, you can keep up with the headlines, but, but don't get consumed with that stuff. It will cause you to be biased. Uh, you know, things, simple things like checking your email once a day. Realize that time is precious, you know, and we can just so flippantly, you know, constantly be on our phones, these little boxes that they drag us around by the nose and cause us to miss God moments. Uh, simple things like asking people their name. You know, I, I left the other day and, and because I was in this, and I'm giving you these simple things to groom your mind. Okay, to slow down and not miss the God moments to extend the love of Christ. So I'm intentionally doing this. This RV park we're in, they are, man, they're staunch about five miles an hour is the speed limit. And we're all the way at the back. So it literally takes three minutes to drive from my camper to the front gate. And uh, so I'm doing it. You know, I'm slowing down. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to hurry. I'm going to pick up this cross every day. And I'm going to, you know, slow it down and look for the God moments. I'm not going to be so consumed with all I have to do uh, that I I miss the God moments right under my nose. So I rolled up to the gate and I had to let the guy know that we had some guests coming in, put them on our guest list to let them through the gate. And I just asked the guy's name and I made a point to remember the name. You know, people have said that, that there's no sweeter sound than someone using your name. So when I see that, his name is Camden. When I see that guy again, I'm going to let him know you're valuable enough that I remembered your name. How you doing, Camden? Who knows? Maybe that'll turn into a God moment while we're here. I don't know, but it could. And so simple things like that. Uh, And then the, the last one that I'll share is, you know, sometimes when we slow down, okay, and we make it our intention to say, Lord, how can I demonstrate the, your love to the world around me. Sometimes God presents those opportunities, but sometimes He teaches us things if we'll just slow down and listen. He's always speaking. So I was in, yeah, I read this book, um, 
And then I went to Walmart, that vortex that is Walmart, right? I try to avoid Walmart because it's so huge, but you can get so many things there. And when we're on the road, we, we inevitably end up going there many times. So I get to Walmart. I just want to get in and out of that place. But in the book, he talks about, you know, intentionally take the longest line sometimes. Because in those moments of boredom, maybe God wants to speak to you. Maybe God wants to use you. And so I, I you know, I, I didn't, I took a long line, but it wasn't the longest line. And I was standing there and I thought, yeah, just slow down, Mark. Yeah, I'd wanted to get everything done, get out of this place, get back to the RV and chill, you know. And uh, instead, I just stopped. I just stopped and I, I started observing people and, and looking. You know, Lord, do you want to use me? And at that moment, the, I, you know, maybe you can attest to the Holy Spirit speaking to you in a worship service or something where you just felt overwhelmed with something God was invading, a, 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 a statement or a word that God was dropping into your spirit. You know, he says in the book that those moments of boredom are portals of prayer. So I was just sitting there bored in line, kind of communing with God. And the Lord dropped a word in my heart. Let me tell you, it, it almost brought, it, my eyes did water. Like I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And I could have missed that God moment, being in such a hurry. Now, I didn't necessarily extend the love of Christ to anybody in that moment. But God spoke to me when I slowed down and spoke to him and uh, i won't share that word but let me tell you it was just a heavy you know it was it was definitely something that i felt in a worship service at church but i'm at line at walmart and i'm about to break out into tears because i feel like the lord is speaking to my heart um so i know i went over time bless you uh the secret to seeing the supernatural in a nutshell is to slow down and look for opportunities today to demonstrate the love of Christ to other people. Maybe you'll have an opportunity to teach you something in the process. Hope you enjoyed this one. Be back at you soon. Sometimes falling angels fly. I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We appreciate your prayers and gifts of support to keep us on the road and in prison.